Mac Power Users, episode 143, RSS. Hello, Mac Power Users listeners and Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm good, David. How are you? Excellent. RSS means really simple syndication. Yes, it does. I, I always thought that was a cool name. And so what it means is you can have a website you like and follow it and not have to go to the website every day. It does. But, but it does lots of other cool things like download podcasts, too. Yeah. But we, would, we wouldn't be doing this show if it wasn't for RSS. Yeah, it's the glue holding together our virtual internet. And we did a show called Managing the Onslaught a couple, I don't know, two, three years ago. It's funny how the 12, years go by. 15, 16, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was like 12 when we made the show. But, uh, you know, what the, the point of that show was saying. Your hair was black. It looked like your Skype picture. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> kind of evil. You really are. <laughs> I think I, that Skype picture doesn't work anymore. And that was just a few years ago. What happened to me, Katie? I don't that know, but that's what a... you look like when we started this podcast. It's very stressful. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's your fault. It anyway. Anyway, back yeah, to RSS. So, so we did a show called Managing the Onslaught, which was episode something something, and we'll have it in the show notes. And I was just talking in that episode a lot about how we have all this information come, coming at us. It's really easy to... You know, it's like a it's like a buffet of of information and it's really easy to overload your plate and get back to your table and realize that, you know, you, you can't put it all down. So that was really the theme of that show. This show is a little more practical in the sense that um, we've had a free service that we've been using for RSS. Uh, I don't know when you when you got started with RSS, Katie, what sort did you start with Google? Started with NetNewsWire. Yeah, see, and, the, and NewsGator was a company that kind of followed up with them. And, you know, the, the idea of an RSS is, let's say you like katiefloyd.me and you really love the website, but you don't want to get on the Internet and go to Katie's website every day to see if she's written anything new. You'd rather have some service that keeps track of when Katie writes something new and just have it delivered to you like a newspaper on your front door. And RSS does that. It keeps track of what you've read and what you haven't read on a website. And they have various clients that will give you a very simple way to see what's there and read the stuff without actually ever going to katiefloyd.me. And so this is a really great thing. And, and when this started, it was before things like Twitter existed and really before, I'm not sure if it was before Facebook. It was before Facebook. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this just really goes back to kind of, you know, ground level nerdery and, and we all loved it. And and the idea of having someone manage those feeds for us to to go out to the Internet, to collect all that information, put it in one place and then give it to us was something that was valuable. And we paid for it. I, I used to have a NewsGator account that I paid. I think it was around twenty dollars a year. I don't remember how much I paid for that, but they did it for me and I loved it. And I would go to their website and this was before the iPhone. So. I, I didn't have mobile devices. I, I never occurred to me to try and do RSS on my um, probably a Palm Trio at that time or something even worse. So, you know, you go to the Internet, you go onto your Safari browser and you'd go check out your RSS feeds. And then that Newswire came out, which was a, a Mac app that was really well done. Was that Brent Simmons? I don't know who did that app. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it was Brent Simmons. Anyway, so it was, you know, some very smart people put this stuff together 
And that made it really easy. So I could follow my favorite blogs and websites without having to go visit them every day. And, and when we did the prior show, Katie, you talked about how you used to have all the tabs you'd go, go to see all these places. So uncool. Yeah. But that's but, what I would do is every morning I had, I had all these tabs set up in bookmarks. You, know, you could click that little button that says open all these in tabs. And I would say, okay, Mac news. And it would open up many websites that aren't in business anymore, but you know, Mac minute and Mac NN and you know, all those other websites. And I'd like 12 tabs going across and I'd check that, check that, check that, check that, close all those websites. Then I'd go to Mac rumors, check all those, close all those tabs. Then I'd go to something else, open all those close. And it was, it was this nice ritual. I'd sit down with my bowl of cereal at the desk every morning. And that's what I do. Which was pretty amazing when you think about it, that, yeah. you know, even then, being able to get the news that way because what was it before that? Like CompuServe? I mean, it was, it's never been really easy until this, these technologies started to come together. And so we, we started to take RSS for granted and there were services out there and then Google, uh, you know, enters the scene. And this is at the point where Google is really still the company that we all love. And, you know, the, the, the upstart search engine company that's making really cool stuff. And they said, hey, we're going to make a reader and we're not going to charge you for it. So the first thing we all did, myself included, was run over to Google and move all our feeds to Google and use Google Reader. And I did that for for many years. And I started reading it on the web. But before long, uh, the API that Google released for its Google Reader product, all the developers started picking up on it. And, well, and so then all of these RSS syncing services like NewsGator they shut down or change their business model or substantial. I mean, why compete with Google when, how can you compete with Google and free when Google was giving away a free RSS backbone instead of building their own services and products, people were just building onto the Google API and the Google backbone and building these clients that would sync with it instead of building sync services. Well, it made a lot of sense because it's a lot of work and it costs money for servers to do all that backend stuff. And Google's doing it for free. And Google, you know, in exchange, was tracking what we were reading. And when you'd go to the website, they were serving you up ads. At least they were, I think, for me. It's been so long since I watched it on the web. I'm not even sure if that's true. But Most of the people listening to this show probably never went to the website. They were using it through some kind of reader app. Yeah, and that's what happened. The, the reader apps kind of took over. And I think this is really tied to the iPhone and the iOS in general, because the iPad and the iPhone show up and, and people start building apps to tie into the Google API and deliver these RSS feeds to you. So up until, you know, March of this year, we were all pleased as punch. We had a variety of reader apps to choose from, all of which use the Google backend to serve up those articles. Like Reader with two E's has been my favorite for really too long. It's it's very unusual for me to stick with an app as long as I've stuck with Reader. Yeah, Mr. Reader is another really popular one. Yeah, I know. I mean, Don McAllister likes that, and a couple of my other geek friends are really big on that. But, you know, the point was we had one thing in common, and that was Google at the back end. And as we become kind of increasingly leery of Google over the years – which which runs hot and cold with me, to be honest, because like sometimes I look at the services people get with Google Gmail and I'm thinking, why don't I just switch everything over there and just do it? Because it's just very cool. But that's a whole nother conversation. And then other times I'm like, I want to get everything I have with Google out of Google. But the um, but, you know, reader to me was always the one that I could never give up on because I like this RSS service and there was nothing competing 
Well, be careful what you wish for, because in March, Google said, hey, guess what? Uh, that reader thing, we've decided it really doesn't help our business plan. We're t tired of spending money on stuff that doesn't make us money, so we're shutting it down. Ugh. Yeah, I you and I talked the night that this happened, and I think I told you because you didn't know about it yet. And we both kind of had the same reaction to it. And I don't remember Google Reader being around as long as I guess it had been. But, you know, I just thought, you know, Google destroyed the market that was already there. They really forced everybody into using this product. They stifled the innovation that was going on. You know, it's kind of like when Walmart comes to town and, and shuts down all the mom and pop stores and then Walmart closes down and you're left with nothing. See, I, I, um, I expect, I accept more responsibility than that. I feel like that, Hey, you know what? I could have continued to pay NewsGator or some other service. I don't think you I, could cause they went out of business. Well, but maybe you're way, saying that's I, your choice. I gladly jump ship uh, on, on a service and went to Google and all of us did it. And so everybody was all angry at Google when they shut it down. Well, that's what companies do. They shut things down when it doesn't make them money. And this wasn't without, there were a lot of people predicting this was going to happen for quite a while that, you know, Google reader really wasn't doing much for Google. And it was only a question of time before they pulled the plug. Um, and some very enterprising developers were waiting in the wings. And, and when it happened, everybody was just completely freaking out. I mean, I was getting emails from listeners saying, what do I do? And, and my wife, who's a really good barometer for me, cause she's kind of geeky, but not really. And she, uh, she has a lot of internet friends, but they, they don't understand any of the stuff that we talk about on the show, but they, they do like to know what the heck's going on with their eye stuff. And they were freaking out about it. And I was like, okay, well, this is actually kind of a big deal to a lot of people. But I felt like it really wasn't going to be a big deal. I figured very quickly we'd have people, you know, the market is returning to normal. There, there will be a market. It's going to cost you a little something, but there's going to be several competitors offering products again for RSS services. And maybe we'll even get better services now. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I here we are. Yeah. And so we, what we told everybody that was writing us is, Hey, just, you know, cool your jets, you know, give it a couple months so these guys can get their products to market. And before July one, which is the expiration date for Google reader, we're going to do a show and by then, Katie and I will have gone through what we think are the best alternatives to Google Reader and give you our recommendations. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of answers, <laughs> so kidding. we're okay then. <laughs> we, got a, we got a whole outline full of answers. But, I'm uh, sorry, yeah. David. Was I supposed to do something in preparation for this show? Yeah, I was you just, were. I was just you relying were. on you to tell me what I was supposed to be using. Oh, I'm happy to do that if you'd like. No, okay. So... Um, well, I thought the way that we might talk about this, because uh, yeah, the way that we broke this outline up is I, I want to talk a little bit about our current workflows for managing the, the onslaught and how we've got this stuff organized, because I think that will help give people an idea of, of how we use these types of technologies and these types of devices, because that will kind of make give them a, a, a reference for why we gravitated towards the, the, the things that we did and um, you know, and kind of give them a, a gauge for how that will fit into their workflow. Yeah, let's do it.
Yeah. So I've, I'm, you know, I'm kind of a, a, a sucker for, for organization. So I, I, I've tried to trim down on my, my RSS feeds quite a bit, but I, I basically have them organized into a couple of key categories. I've got, you know, blogs, which are things that I follow, like, you know, Max Barkey and, um, you know, all the other individual blogs that I follow. And th- that's, that's probably my favorite category. Those are, those are people that I follow that go into blogs. And then I've got a category of Apple news and tech news. And then I've got other categories like productivity, deals, lifestyles, podcasts, one for local, one for legal, one with, you know, just PR stuff. And so I've, I've got my, my feeds broken down into, you know, probably about eight to 10 different categories that I try to, to, you know, fit things into. And for a long time, my primary inputs for those have been um, RSS feeds through Reader, which has been my RSS reader of choice, and Twitter, because a lot of links come in now through Twitter. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the questions uh, that, that I think people would ask themselves is with Google Reader shutting down, is this the time that I give up on RSS and just just follow Twitter people and get information from there. Yeah. And what I tend to do is a couple of times a day, usually first thing in the morning and maybe as I'm having breakfast or a lot of times, even before I get out of bed, I'll, I'll reach over and I'll grab my iPad and I'll, I'll do my first skim on my iPad. I'll, I'll go through reader and Twitter and I'll, I'll see what's going on. I'll see what interests me. And if something is really interesting or if it's kind of short, I'll go ahead and, and either skim through an article or if it's real short, I may go ahead and, and read it. Or if it's something I'm really interested in, I'll go ahead and read it right there in the app or I'll click the link in Twitter and, you know, read it kind of in the web interface there in Twitter and then back out of it. Um, but that's not many articles. I don't read many articles right there in the RSS reader or or in Twitter. Anything that's kind of longer form or something that I, I really want to pay more attention to later, this is just kind of my first skim off the top. Um, I go ahead and send to Instapaper. So having uh, an RSS reader or, or client of some kind that integrates with my Read It Later service is really key because that's where I do all my main reading is is an Instapaper. And then if it's something that requires further investigation or action, you know, like I saw a, a case for an iPhone that I was interested in that I wanted to check out, then that becomes a task in OmniFocus, and that gets sent out to OmniFocus. And Instapaper's got an easy way to do that. So sometimes it goes from Instapaper, sometimes it just goes from the web bookmarklet and gets sent to, in, to OmniFocus. Um, there's a great app we, we had Clayton Morris talk about a little bit. It's his app called Quick Reads that I use sometimes for longer form articles where I'll, I'll have stuff go, uh, you know, clip through there. But, you know, most of the time Instapaper on my, my iPad or sometimes the Words app on my Mac is the primary places that I use to, to consume these articles. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to that. That's very similar to my workflow. I am, um, you know, it's fun. I try not to, uh, well, I guess there's a couple things. Number one is you have a lot of categories. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not sure how many feeds you have in those categories. So maybe you've got a lot of categories that just have a few articles in them, but some of them do. Some of them have as few as two to three feeds in them. Some have more. Yeah. So I've got just a few categories. I've got, I've got key blogs, which are like your kind of, it's the people I follow, which to me are my favorite parts of the internet, you know, Dr. Drang and heck, you know, a lot of the people that we've had on the show as guests are kind of in those, those key blogs, 
that I just like to, you know, I want to hear what they have to say. And so I always will, will check that one. And then I have the Apple one, which is not as much of a fire hose as you'd think. I, you know, that was my big point in the last show is take a look at that. If you, if you're following five blogs that say essentially the same thing every day, pick the one with the most interesting voice and dump the rest because you're going to be fine. If you, if you just read the Macworld magazine feed, you're going to know anything of relevance that happens in Apple land. You know, you'll be fine. Daring Fireball is another great one. If you follow Daring Fireball, you're going to have a good opinion on most. And, and of course, Max Sparky and Katie Floyd. Of course. But, you know, cut cut that down. Look at it, you know, critically because it's your time is, is important. And if you have, you know, if you're following 20 Mac blogs, then that's a problem because you're probably looking at the same article many times. It's just kind of one of the problems of the Internet. And that's true no matter what your interest. If it's, you know shaving yaks you're probably following too many blogs on shaving yaks so take a good look at that so i've got the apple category key blog category i've got the interesting one which is just little things that i find interesting and then i've got the legal one where there's a bunch of california legal related mumbo jumbo i follow and i'm always looking for reasons to kill off feeds so if there's something that i'm i'm not getting enough out of to make it worth following i cut it and and that's my comfort level with this stuff uh, I know my problem is that I I'm capable of of subscribing to way too much because I just I think it's kind of like my dirty habit. I just love opening a feed reader and reading stuff from the internet, and to such a you know it's such an extent that I I use it to get away from doing work sometimes. In fact, it's a yeah, great. I, I think you have to be careful to limit how often do you check these feeds and how often do you check these fire hoses. It's the same thing with Twitter because uh, you really need to limit how how often do you dunk your head in that stream because you can get lost in there for a long time. Yeah, with Twitter, I've always had a, a pretty good habit. I just look at the stuff that's kind of present when I turn it on. If something interesting happens, you know, four hours ago or yesterday, I'm I'm not going to discover it because I'm not going to scroll back and look for it. Uh, these feeds, however, I am uh, that that is one of my kryptonites. So I have to be careful and kind of watch myself like this is a great use for Pomodoro. If you do a Pomodoro technique, um, sometimes when I, I have a lot of work at, at the office, I'll I'll decide to run two or three hours of Pomodoro and I go 15 minutes and then I take a 10 minute break. And during a 10 minute break, I could run through my feeds pretty quickly. And it's a nice kind of escape from, you know, the legal mumbo jumbo stuff. I just used mumbo jumbo twice within 10 minutes. Well, that's a good descriptor for what it is. You know, you get gray hair and you, your mind starts to go. Then your vocabulary is next, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe that's the third thing. I'm not sure. And all that mumbo jumbo too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, so that's kind of how we do it. Uh, and like you, I send it off to a, a Instapaper and increasingly pocket. I want to talk about that someday, but I'm not ready yet to commit to one or the other. I like them both. And it, and then from Instapaper or Pocket, you can send things to Evernote. You can send them to OmniFocus. So it's just a really great triage for your information. Um, so let's start talking about what we're going to do. But I think first we should talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, I want to talk about our first sponsor for this episode, and that is Clarify. And if you've got a message that you want to get across to somebody, if you've got instructions that you need to give someone, if you've got documentation that you want to give someone, Clarify is the way to get your message across. And I'll give you a perfect example that I just use Clarify for 
this last week. In my office, we are migrating from an in-house Exchange server to Office 365 for our Exchange, which basically means moving our Exchange to the cloud. And they're going to do this migration over a weekend, which they sent us fair warning. Hey, you know, just FYI, your iPhones and your iPads are going to stop working at some point on on Friday afternoon when we when we do the switchover. And everybody in my office went crazy. You mean I'm going to have to go all weekend long without having to get access to my email on my iPhone? And I'm just thinking, oh, that sounds wonderful. And, you know, but no, everybody in the office is going crazy. So I, I email our tech guys and I'm like, look, you're, you're going to have to send me the settings so that I can configure everybody's iPhones before they leave on Friday because I, I, they, they just can't go the weekend without their email. So the guy sends me the settings and he goes, okay, well, this is your server. This is your domain. This is what you put in the username and password field, blah, blah, blah. And everybody who listens to this show is probably pretty comfortable setting up a new account on your iPhone. But yeah, keep in mind, I'm, I'm dealing with attorneys here who have no technical ability really whatsoever. Hopefully none of them are listening to this podcast. So yeah, my, it's not possible. My plan was I was going to, you know, Friday afternoon before I left the office, I was going to run up and collect all the iPhones and take them into my office and, you know, make them all work and then hand them back out again to people. But, uh, you know, something happened and I couldn't be in the office on Friday afternoon. So instead what I did is I, I took a break and I took about 10 minutes and I created a clarify document. So I ran through the setup process on my iPhone, making sure that it worked. And I just took screenshots every step of the way. And then as I took screenshots, I copy and pasted, you know, I typed up some instructions, I put them into Clarify. And within 10 minutes, I ended up with this beautiful tutorial that had arrows and screenshots and annotations and step-by-step instructions every step of the way of this is how you delete your old account and set up your new exchange account on your iPhone. And saved it as a PDF, shot it off in an email to everybody in my office. And I must say, six out of seven attorneys in my office figured out how to do it. The last guy didn't even try. You you know, you you can teach non-nerds how to fish with Clarify. You can't. So I, it was great. And they all said, of course, the, um, they gave our IT department credit for it. They said, wow, the, the, the guys over at the IT place, they, they really, uh, they really did a good job on that. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, they sure did. So now I've got to go tell our IT guys about Clarify. Yeah, it's really a great solution and you can get it in the Mac app store and you can create simple tutorials with screenshots, um, it works with retina displays now. So that's pretty cool. And uh, whatever, you know, normal people you've got in your life, you need to teach technology to. And even nerds, I mean, we need help with this stuff. You can put together a book, you can put it on the web, do whatever you want. Clarify is a great program made by some really excellent people. Yeah. So it's 30 bucks. As David said, you can pick it up in the Mac app store, or you can pick it up from their website, clarify-it.com. Uh, 30 bucks for Mac, 30 bucks for Windows, or if you slide back and forth between the two platforms, you can buy a cross-platform license for 40 bucks and get it on each. So you can go check them out at clarify-it.com. And thanks to the kind folks at Clarify for supporting Mac Power users. So what are we going to do? Google Reader's leaving us. The sky is falling. I was just going to go crawl in bed and stay there for a while, but apparently that's not an option. (laughs) Okay, well, let's start talking about options. All right. Well, I guess the first option that you probably need to ask yourself is, um, you know, do you really need to sync 
your RSS feeds. And remember for a long time, we had RSS without syncing. I mean, that's what, yeah. what the original net news wire was. And then they got the news gator service. So where do you read your RSS feeds? Do you always read them on your iPhone? Do you always read them on your iPad? Do you always read them on your Mac? Do you really need to sync the red and unread status of your RSS feeds? If the answer is no, you may be just fine. Yeah. And that became a much bigger deal with mobile devices. And I would suggest, I would guess that most people listening to this have more than one computer or one computing device. So if you've got a Mac and an iPhone, then I think you do want to sync your feeds because once you've marked an article as read, you don't want to see it again. Yeah. But if you only look at your, like I bet there are some people who only do RSS on their iPad. Yeah, well, that's true. And if you're willing to do that, you don't need to pay someone to sync feeds for you. Yeah. So so what solution would you use in that case? Well, there are a couple of options. Right now, there's NetNewsWire, which is, I mean, that was my original RSS client. So I have some fondness for NetNewsWire, just for some, a nostalgia perspective. Um, the Mac version, it's, it's Mac-based and currently doesn't sync, but they're working on it. Um, it was recently acquired, well, fairly recently, it was acquired by Black Pixel two years ago, and they've put up an interesting blog post talking about, um, you know, the, the whole syncing problem, and they're actively working on sync, and they're developing their own syncing engine. You know, they talked for a long time about how they were really trying to make iCloud Sync work for syncing RSS feeds, and just couldn't make it happen. I think they were waiting until after WWDC this year to see if Apple implemented any major changes to kind of... Uh, fix iCloud for developers because some developers have not been thrilled with the way that iCloud is working. But NetNewsWire uh, is still a great feed aggregator. If, if you're only using feeds on your Mac, it will it will pull them down. It's available in the Mac App Store. You can I think it's still available in the Mac App Store. You can get it from their website. Um, but if, if you're just reading feeds on your Mac and that's what you do in the morning is you get a cup of coffee and a bowl of cereal and you sit at your Mac like I used to and pull down your feeds, NetNewsWire is a good option. Yeah, and it's if it's not syncing and you're just looking at your Mac, that's fine. You mark it as red. You're not going to see it again because you're not looking on other devices. Although I think that people, most people kind of, are going to... Kind of like the whole pop versus IMAP problem, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a good analogy. So like pop mail uh, that doesn't really sync red status, this would be the same thing. But if yeah. you're going to try and read it on more than one, your time's too valuable to have to fiddle with seeing the same articles two or three times. And, and by the way, just a quick correction, it is not available on the Mac App Store anymore, but it is available as direct download from their website. Yeah, that must be with the uh, sandboxing issues. They, you know, they just came out with a new version of Keyboard Maestro, and it's, it's no longer in the Mac App Store. Shocker. Yeah, well, it's that thing does so much you know, crazy stuff. It's amazing to me it was ever in the Mac app store. But anyway, uh, in fact, again, we're going to do a sh another show on keyboard maestro. Uh, Katie doesn't know that yet. I didn't know that until now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm really falling in love with it again. I mean, they, the new version is, is crazy, but uh, so moving on. Uh, so the next one in the outline is, uh, this is really anti-climatic because the next one in the outline, I think might be the one I'm sticking with. Should I just do it anyway? Go for it. I mean, this is really bad drama, but uh, Feed Wrangler, uh, David right. Smith's Feed Wrangler. Uh, and I, I like that one, too, by the way. I'll go ahead and say that. That's, that I, might be my solution. So I've been I played with several of these and uh, I bought accounts with two of them. And Feed Wrangler seems to be the right mix for me. And this is exactly what I was hoping for 
when Google pulled the plug is that people would start innovating again, because the fact is, you know, once Google basically captured the market, I, I'm not really sure what their plan with it was. I guess they wanted to collect information and, and serve ads. I mean, that's usually what Google does. But in terms of making the RSS model any better, they never really did much to make it better. Feed Wrangler, for me, kind of walks that line. And several of these we're going to mention have features that we never had available to us when we were using Google Reader. So things are going to improve. There's a couple things I like about Feed Wrangler. One of the first is that it costs money. And that sounds silly, but now I know that I'm paying for something and it's going to get active development. Um, um, I know David Smith has been very happy with the results. He just did a, an interview on... I think it was command space, another five by five show where he talked about how, you know, he was very happy with the initial numbers and looked like it was going to be a way to support him. Uh, he's a very smart guy. He's got a lot of apps out and he's been working on this since before, you know, the big announcement. So he's had some time feed Wrangler, uh, went out public about five or six weeks ago. I mean, they opened it up. So, uh, they've been, and I, I got in very early and, and I paid my 19 bucks and I bought a subscription because I knew the show was coming up and I just wanted to, to try some of these. Um, there were a couple of hiccups at the beginning, but after the first few weeks, I mean, this thing has been rock solid for me. It syncs my feeds just fine. Uh, there's a free app on the iPad and the iPhone, uh, neither of which I'm particularly excited about. Uh, the icon looks terrible. It's like a little rope. You know, and, um, it's and, and the, um, the interface itself, you know, having used reader for so long, I'm, I'm not happy with the interface. Although there's one thing I really love and it's the, uh, the, the link for your read it later service, whether it's pocket or Instapaper is one button at the bottom of the article. So that workflow Katie was talking about where you see something you're like, okay, I want to save this for later. You don't have to, you don't have to go through any additional taps. You, you press it once and it's, and it's saved for you, which is really cool. Um, it's, um, and what I really like about this is the backend features that aren't available on Google. So the first thing they do is what they call smart streams, where you can create custom feeds based on text filters. So I could say, make me a feed of anything that includes the word Max Barkey and anything that I follow that has my name in it is going to go into this feed. Um, I could make a feed that says, make me feed the, anything that has the word you know, tablet in it or anything that I'm excited about, but it also works the opposite direction. You also have these filters where you can knock out stuff. Like I have a filter for the word patent because even though I'm a lawyer, um, reading any article about patent wars and technology patents, it just, it makes me want to hurt myself. So I, I can't take it and they're everywhere. So I have this filter. So with all the feeds I follow, if, if, um, feed wrangler sees the word patent in any of them it just marks it as red so i never see the article and uh, i had an exchange with david on twitter this week about you know where is he going with that because i would like more logic with that for instance uh if john gruber writes about patents i may be willing to read it but if the verge has an article about patents i definitely don't want to read it and he says he's going to have that logic the and or but logic going into it. So you can make very complex rules about what you see and don't see with these rules. Once you set that up, you're going to be doing really great. I just realized I've just been talking and talking, Katie. I haven't let you say anything. No, it's okay. I, I think 
I am intrigued by Feed Wrangler as well. It's probably this and the next one that we're, we're going to talk about are the probably the top two on my list. And probably for that very reason, the, the, the piece that keeps bringing me back to Feed Wrangler is the ability to filter some of this stuff out because I want to follow more feeds, but there's a lot of stuff in those feeds I don't want to see. Yeah, like for the Verge is a good one. It's a it's Android. A, it's well, yeah. I have a filter for Android. I also have filters for major Windows manufacturers like Acer and Toshiba. And I mean, I'm sure that the news about those companies is very interesting to some people, but I got no interest in that stuff. I, I don't. You know, if you look at all the things in my life that I'm responsible for, keeping up with Toshiba's latest laptop just doesn't even register. So now I've got a way to follow the Verge without seeing that stuff. And I, I really like that. Uh, another thing I like about it is Reader, my favorite Reader app. Yeah, I always feel like I have to qualify that. So Reader with two E's. You know, I which can't is the tell you how, how many times when we were preparing this outline that I can no longer spell Reader the correct way anymore. Yeah, it's like it screwed up your wiring. It has. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so, but my wiring was already screwed up. But so reader with two E's is going to support feed wrangler. So the, uh, the, um, the app for the phone and the iPad that I'm not particularly excited about isn't going to matter to me. And, you know, that's kind of David's plan is he wants to build the back end engine kind of re really replacing Google, uh, without being all that excited about creating applications to, to read the data because he knows that all these other developers are going to go on and he's got a bunch of people on board. I mean, there's there's going to be apps on Android and iOS and the Mac and all these various platforms are going to have applications that use this back end. So with the Feed Wrangler account for 19 bucks, you can use the free app they give you or you can go use another one that you like better. And it's going to completely replace Google Reader. In fact, I haven't logged into Google Reader now for over a month because I, I made the switch already. And I've been going just fine without it. In fact, and, and with these filters, I, I feel like I've got better RSS service than I've ever had before. I'll tell you the one thing that really frustrates me about this in that uh, we're recording the show a little bit early. We're recording the show on June 18th. I know it won't hit your feeds until about a week later, but all of, a lot of these services like FeedRanger, and I, I believe David Smith when he says that it, it will work with Reader soon. In fact, the developers of Reader have even said, yes, we're going to work with, with, with FeedRanger soon. And I guess this is more a, a criticism of Reader than it is of anybody else. But, you know, guys, it's, it's, it's crunch time. Can, can we get the app update already? Well, I don't know that all these apps on day one are going to be supporting these, these various services. So in order to make that happen... The, you know, Feed Wrangler people have to create an API, basically a language for the the reader applications to plug into their engine. And it's not, I don't, as a, from what I understand, it's not something really easy. I, I don't want to speak about it too much because I'm so ignorant that it's, it's almost embarrassing to try and explain this stuff because I just don't know well enough to do so. But I don't think it's really easy. I don't think it's easy on either end. I don't think it's going to be easy for Feed Wrangler or the other services to create the API and then I'm sure that the reader application people, when they go to implement it, are going to find that there's hiccups as well. So there's going to be a period of trouble for a while. Um, what I can say is with Feed Wrangler, I've been using their built-in app, which is fine. I mean, it gets the job done, and it's not as pretty as the other as the reader app I've been using. But I'm not sure it's 
it's much slower in terms of efficiency because it's got one button to put it up in Instapaper or Pocket. It's pretty much as efficient as Instapaper was. I'm sorry, as, as Reader was. Right. With two E's, which I'll say about a hundred times in the show. All right. Okay. What else about Feed Wrangler? So you're in for 19 bucks a year. Um, you can purchase it on the website or through iTunes. I purchase it on the, the website. To access it with your Mac, I'm not aware of a, a dedicated application on the Mac. I just access it through the web uh, on my Mac. Yeah. Uh, it imports your Google Reader accounts. You just put in your credential and it, it goes and pulls them down for you. So it was no problem at all to get the import done. It took all of about five minutes. Um, the uh, It uses the token method, so you're not actually giving them your Google secret password and everything. They just go and pull it from Google with a token. And uh, it was a fairly painless transition. And it, it has some additional features that I think are very interesting. Uh, the thing I, I like about Feed Wrangler is that it allows me to set the filters where I get to pick the words that get filtered out like patent. Now that another one, let's just jump to Newsblur real quick. I also paid for your subscription with Newsblur. This is another subscription service. It's 24 bucks for the year, I think is what I've paid for it. And um, it's, it's similar to Feed Wrangler in that they want to give you something different. And, you know, they, they, they want to improve upon this engine where we've in the past just you sign up for a news feed and you get everything in the, in the fire hose. And they use kind of a logic. They have more intelligent filters. You tell it what you like and dislike. In fact, you can mark an article as like or dislike and or don't show me these. Or you can, you can select words in the title, like the word patent, and tell what you like and dislike. And then it will try and make a uh, what they call a focus mode where they just pick the articles that are of real interest to you. So as opposed to you creating kind of the rules and the logic yourself, news blur does it for you with a little education from you. Is that a good way to summarize it? It does. Now, how much have you worked with news blur? I've worked with it a little bit. You can get a free account um, for up to 64 sites. And I've been playing with that because I didn't want to buy all of these reader services. I mean, I love you guys, but yeah, there are a lot of them out there. So I've been playing a little bit with the free account and there's some limitations on the free account. You know, for example, that it will only show you up to 10 stories at a time in what they call the river of news and that it updates less frequently and you have to to wait a little bit more for, for, for some of your things. But if you upgraded the premium account like David's done, then you get unlimited sites. You get to see all of your stories at once and things like that. So I've been playing a little bit with the with the free account and it's fine. I, I don't really like the web interface. Yeah, gosh, for any of these really. Um, the one thing that I, I do kind of like about News Blur is that it will show you if, if you don't really like the way that they're presenting the information, you can flip over and see kind of the original site inside News Blur. I just, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of their web interface. I'm really intrigued by the fuzzy logic, fuzzy logic nature of the filtering where it kind of does it for me. And I'm a big fan of computers doing thinking for me on this type of stuff. I, you know, I don't want to spend time creating specific filters. So if I could just buy one of these services and it would be smart enough to figure all that out for me. But I also don't have enough trust in the system yet to just turn it over because, you know, in, in a lot of ways I make 
part of my living doing this Mac stuff and I want to know what's going on. And I'm not sure I want to just turn that over to somebody to figure out what I should and shouldn't read. Uh, another thing about news blur, and this was a huge turnoff for me and it sounds goofy, but in order for me to save an article on news blur to Instapaper or pocket, I have to press five taps. I counted. Mm. So you're in it. You say, okay, I want to save this article. Then you tap it once the little gear and it says, um, you know, uh, save the story, you know, so you tap that. Actually, I'm sorry. And so then you say send two, and then you pick on Instapaper. That's two. And then you have to put in your stuff in Instapaper, then click OK. And then it says, hey, I just saved a tensor paper for you at the end. After you've gone through the whole process, it asks you, it shows you another status message saying that, telling you what it just did, even though you click, you tap the screen four times to make it happen. And you're very well aware of what just happened. You have to tap it one more time. So coming from reader in reader with two E's, uh, if you had an article that you really liked, you could do it in the settings where you just swipe to the left. You know, um, I got to teach that to Jim Dalrymple. <laughs> he was in, um, he was in Orange County for the, the, the nom show. So we had breakfast and he didn't know about that. And I got to teach him to do the swipe. I felt like I was so cool. I heard David Wayne taught it to Jim Dalrymple. I thought yeah, he taught everybody, he everybody, 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 everything. So in reader, you had this very easy way, even, even without opening the article, you could send it to Instapaper with one swipe. And I use uh, that all the time. Yeah. And in feed wrangler, you can do that with one button at the bottom of the article view. And in, in news blur, it's many, many taps. And, and that was a big turnoff for me. And, uh, but I did sign up for the account. And the reason I did is because I think this is a real contender in my mind. And I think this stuff is going to be very fluid for the first six months. And I'm going to make it my business to keep playing with these two services to see which one, you know, wins this knockdown drag out fight. Yeah. And Newsblur kind of has that mailbox model going on where if you don't sign up for the premium account, you get this notification that there are all these other people in front of you. And so you're going to have to wait to get your free account. So oh, really? If, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in getting into the free account, you might want to go ahead and do that now if you want to make sure that you get it before. I don't even know that there are any, any guarantees that you'll get it before July 1, but you may want to go ahead and get in line. And I, on one hand, you wonder, okay, is that just kind of, but of course, if you pay, you get immediate access. On one hand, you kind of wonder, okay, is that a gimmick to get people to pay? But then on the other hand, you wonder, is that, ooh, can their um, servers not handle the capacity? We all feel a little snake bit because we, you know, put our faith in Google to deal with this for us. And now all of a sudden we're all freaked out, yeah. which I, I guess my message here is that you shouldn't be freaked out. Things are actually better now, although it may cost you a few bucks. Right. I think either one of these services is better than what I had with Google Reader. So this is good news. Well, let's talk about a couple of the services that I'm interested in. But before we do, can we take a quick break and talk about Daisy Disk? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, Daisy just saved our podcast once again today. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> we were we were getting ready to record pre-show, and David said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait! I, I don't have any disk space available on my hard drive." Yeah, and I have, uh, I have an app on my a web app on my computer that has decided to make a cache file that will just take up the rest of my hard drive space, just like that. 
Yeah. So Dave, David had to figure out what, where is all this hard drive space going? What can I do to get rid of it? And you know what? There, there is an app for that. So what you can do is you can uh, grab Daisy Disk. It's available from uh, their website or from the Mac App Store. Uh, run a scan. It's very fast, as we know, as I was sitting here, you know, waiting on Skype for David to figure out where his big old cache file was. Uh, runs a quick scan of your hard drive, and it gives you this beautiful, unique graphical representation of where is your space being used. And so you've got this big green blob over here, and you can hover over it, and you can drill down, and you can see, okay, that's in the users folder, that's in the library folder, that's in the application support folder. What, whoa, what is that that all of a sudden has blown up to 15 gigabytes, which I... I think was your issue today. And it's some stray cache file. And then what you can do right within Daisy disk is you can click on it and you can nuke it. I don't think that's the word they use, but same thing, much more satisfying. You can destroy yeah, it. It is. It was. Um, I would like little mushroom clouds when I kill big files. I think that would be an improvement. Yeah. Well, boom, big file gone. And uh, all of a sudden David is able to podcast again. And that happens to me. You know, I was working on a video project this weekend and I had a four by three version. I had a 16 by nine version. I had all of the photos that I was using for this video project. Um, I had the music that I was using. I had a couple of, um, boy, this tells you how old stuff I have on my computer. I had a couple of those IDVD projects that I was using. I had a few different, you know, versions of that. All of a sudden I looked down and my hard drive space was, was down to only a couple of gigs free. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? So as soon as I finished that project, I, you know, I thought I had cleaned everything up, but I still hadn't. And, you know, I ran Daisy Disk and um, was able to find out exactly what was going on. And, you know, now I'm back up to a hundred gigs free on this hard drive and things are running much better. So um, you can find Daisy Disk either on the Mac app store or at daisydiskapp.com. It's only 10 bucks. I mean, 10 bucks is, is well worth the price of, being able to save the podcast and being able to have all this free space left on your computer. And this is more and more important now that we're living in these worlds of SSDs. So uh, don't, you know, get raked into getting one of those, you know, cheap imitation apps that maybe looks like Daisy Disk. Trust me, it is not the same. Go pick up Daisy Disk. You'll be glad you did. And let them know that Mac Power User sent you. So, Katie, what did you try for uh, this, these Google replacements? All right. I got, I got a couple of services that I'm trying. And, you know, one of the ways that I, I picked my services to try is I went into Reader and I said, okay, well, what is Reader supporting right now? Um, and one of the services that Reader for iPhone, at least, is supporting right now is a service called Feedbin. Uh, Feedbin is also a pay product. It's $2 a month or $20 a year. And it has kind of a lot of the same features that you you talked about in in Feed Wrangler. Um, it, it has a, a very nice looking, clean web interface. I actually prefer its web interface to some of the um, the other services that I've used because, like I said, right now the the only portable service that it works in for Reader is just the Reader iPhone app. So I can't use my my Reader Mac app in this right now. Um, and so I actually kind of like the 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 Feedbin web interface, and I've been pretty happy with that. Um, they, they also have, um, ability, they've got keyboard shortcuts. So if you're used to using the Google reader keyboard shortcuts, you'll, you know, be very familiar using those going back into Feedbin. Um, they've got tagging support. So that if you're a tagger, you can tag your feeds and you can import and export those feeds from Google reader via OPML. So, you know, you can just export the file from Google reader, open it into Feedbin and you're right back where you left off. So, um, but what really attracted me to Feedbin is that it's currently supported, like today, by several apps that I use. 
Um, one of them obviously being reader for the iPhone only though, which means would that I, be the reader with two E's? It would be the reader with two E's. I, yeah. I see. I knew you would, you would chime in and, and not leave people hanging. So it's currently supported by reader with two E's. Um, it's currently supported by slow feeds, which is another RSS reader that, that I've been using recently. That's, that's kind of interesting. I don't use it as my primary RSS reader, but I use it because it's got some interesting features like, um, you know, it will, it will tell you if you've got a bunch of feeds that are all linking to the same article, it will pull out that article that it's linking to and say, Hey, you know, maybe you just want to actually read this source article. So it will, it will pull from, it will pull into slow feeds. I think it currently also works with, um, faves, which is another RSS reader that I've, that I've never used. Um, but the, the two things again, that really attracted me to this were the layout of all the layouts I've tried. It was the cleanest layout and it looks a lot like the reader for Mac layout in the web interface. Yeah. The web interface is really pretty on this app. Yeah. So I was, I was very comfortable with it and I liked the fact that it had reader for iOS support. So I kind of felt like between reader on my iPhone and the web app, that that was the closest experience I was getting to reader with two E's. And and you're just done, really. If if yeah. you're primarily reading on your phone and the web, you're you're set. And I'm sure that reader on the iPad will get this soon. Yeah, and they don't do a good job of promoting this, but they do offer all of the standard sharing services. They do them in a little bit different way because you configure the sharing services that you want. Um, and they've got a whole list of sharing services that they support. So um, if you want to load stuff into Instapaper, you can do that. If you want to send it to Pinterest, you can do that. If you want to send it to Pocket or Readability or Tumblr or TweetBot or Twitter, I mean, they've got a couple of dozen different sharing services that they support. Um, and, and basically what you do is you download these little snippets from GitHub and plug them into your sharing settings. And then you you configure what you want and you don't have what you don't want. Yeah, they need to they need to make that easier. They do. They do. I mean, when you say easier. GitHub, so many people, they just, you know, they just turn you off. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like a, a really nice app. And so once again, this is one's $20 a year. Mm-hmm. So it's only a dollar more than, than your feed wrangler. Yeah. And it, but it doesn't have any filtering from what I can tell. I haven't, I haven't no, used it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. But it's a nice replacement for Google reader. Yeah. And, and the filtering is, is what kind of keeps me coming back to the idea of feed wrangler. We'll see. It's, it's, the look of this and the availability immediately that makes me want to come back to makes me want to use Feedbin, but yeah. but filtering is a big draw for Feed Wrangler, so it's it's toss up right now. Yeah, Feed Wrangler doesn't look particularly great on the web. It's a list of your articles, but you know you can click on your filters. But the way I've been using these primarily is through my iOS devices, and and really that's the way I consume this stuff. Rarely do I do it on the web. Yeah. And um, I th- I'm sure there'll be links in the show notes, but that's at, that's at feedben.me. And for some reason, their icon is a hamburger, and that just kind of makes me smile. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I know you also looked at Feedly. Yeah. Feedly is an interesting one. Um, Feedly is free. So there's no harm in giving it a try. Um, yeah. But f- free also gives me questions. And we talked about this you know, with Google Reader they haven't really disclosed what their business model is. Their their site, when you go looking for more information about how they can be free, just says they're, quote, self-funded, end quote. And that 
kind of caused me to raise my eyebrows. Um, but I also read that there's apparently a pro version on the way, so maybe they've got some plans. Um, this com- Feedly also has apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android, and supposedly support um, for Reader and Mr. Reader are coming soon, although they're not currently implemented. But the it was really easy to set this up. I mean, again, because it's free, you just sign up for an account, and you've got it. And there's if you're using Safari, you can download a free extension uh, for Safari. Or if you're using Chrome, there's actually a web app for the Chrome store. But it will then automatically import all of your Google Reader subscriptions via this this free extension or via the web app or, or whatever. Um, and then you're done. And, and then you've got all of your subscriptions in this, this web interface. Again, of all of the web interfaces I've seen, Feedbin is really the only one that I like. If Feedly is not bad, and you know you can forgive a lot of sins if it's free versus pay, but um, you know if that's what's really important to you, then you can look at that. Personally, I'd kind of like to pay for a service and um, you know have something that's a little cleaner and elegant. But uh, you know, a lot of this just comes down to a, a matter of taste and what you're interested in. And this is interesting because it's truly a replacement for Google Reader. It's not going to add any additional features. It's an engine for syncing your your feeds. And uh, while they have some apps, I mean, it looks to me like the API and the third-party app developer support is what they're really relying on. And yep. uh, there's a couple things that came to my mind while you were talking. The first one is uh, there's going to be two gold rushes. The first gold rush is going to be from RSS reader applications. This is the EA generic version. Anybody who's making these apps is going to be racing to incorporate as many of these APIs as they can because they want their customers and potential customers to know that whatever service they choose upon, they're going to be able to to use those in their apps. So Mr. Reader and Reader with two E's and all the other ones, I mean, there's there's probably hundreds of them in the app store are going to be you know, the ones that are actively developed are going to be incorporating a bunch of these APIs. That's the first thing. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but over the next couple of months, you're going to see a ton of, of adoption from these apps. The second thing is there's a second gold rush going on, and this is between all these competitors we just mentioned. And I think we covered the major ones. I'm sure there's some out there that people will, will write us in about. But, you know, Feed Wrangler, Feed Band, News Blur, and Feedly, those four all want to grab as many people right now as they can because, you know, they know once you get in, uh, to a certain extent, these are kind of Roach Motel services. I mean, they make it easy for you to go grab your feeds from Google. Um, like with the two I used, I didn't have to do anything but push one button and they did all the work for me. However, I don't think they're going to make it easy to go grab your feeds from other services. I agree. And I don't think they're going to make it easy for you to export. In fact, when you said that Feedbin allows you to export as OPML, I thought that was a real nice feature because I'm not sure any of these other services are going to support that or not. So, you know, the one you pick, there's going to be a certain amount of friction to leave it in the future. So this is kind of an important decision. And that maybe explains why Feedly believes they can make it for free right now during this next few month period where everybody is switching, you know, when they're forced out of Google reader. They'll say, well, I'll go with the free one. And then maybe in a few months, they'll have a paid service and, and you may want it because it's better service or, or something, because at that point they've got you as a customer. Hmm. Yeah, it's a problem. Well, no, I, I don't think 
so long as they don't price it at a hundred dollars. No, I yeah. agree. I, I agree. suspect it's going to be about the same. It looks like $20 is kind of the sweet spot, you know? And frankly, I'm willing to pay $20 a year for someone to manage this stuff for me because it's going to save me a lot of time. For something that you use every day, sometimes yeah. multiple times a day. Absolutely. Yeah. So those, those are kind of the true Google reader alternatives that, that we found. And, there are others that we're going to talk about, but those are really the ones that are really designed to step in as a true replacement for Google Reader. Now, there's one out there that, um, as we record the show, hasn't come out yet and will come out a couple of days after the show posts, and that's Dig is getting into this business. Betaworks, who has taken over Dig, is doing their own RSS reader, but we don't have a lot of information about it, although I'll tell you, I really like the Betaworks guys and what they're doing. Yeah, and it's, it seems so obvious when the news came out. So dig for a long time was a force of nature on the internet. I mean, it was a verb. Did you get digged? Right. If you if dig picked up an article you wrote, then you got a ton of traffic from it. And they've, at some point they've become, at least in my mind, pretty irrelevant. I mean, I don't know of anybody that really, you know, takes a lot of advantage of dig anymore. And this is dig with two G's. If you've never, See, I, I think there's some listeners who probably aren't even familiar with it. But so so Betaworks took over and they're trying to make it relevant again. And they found the solution in Google dropping RSS. They're going to try and get into the RSS business. There's a screenshot. There's a couple articles at this point. There's not a lot of information. I mean, do we know if they're going to charge for it? I don't think they've told us. Um, I It'll be worth checking out. It'll be worth checking out. I, there's something in me that always likes the little guy. And that's the reason why stuff like News Blur and Feed Ben and um, Feed Wrangler really appeal to me. And maybe it's against my own best interest. If it's a small guy, what's to keep them from going and getting a job or doing something else? But it just seems to me like the innovation happens with the small guys. And uh, so I'm very interested in the smaller guys, but. I'm definitely going to be getting a dick account and checking that out as well when it comes out. I think it's really exciting. I mean, this is why we're geeks. We like when you have a little upheaval and things change because a lot of times things get better in the process. Yeah. I, th- I, I guess I, I'm just, I, I'm a little disappointed and I, you know, that, that so much of this is coming right down to the wire. Yeah. But I think that's natural when they only had three months. I mean, making software. It's hard. Yeah. No, I I guess I'm disappointed. You know, Google only given us three months, but yeah. Well, they gave it. At least they gave us three months. That's true. You know, Google doesn't normally do that. Hey, everybody. uh, We're shutting it down tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, Now, but that is a point. If you're not sure which one you want to get, you can go in. And I'm not even going to try to explain how to do this on a podcast, but you can go into your Google Reader account and export your feeds. I believe they come out in as fact, an OPML. In fact, I suggest you do that anyway. You can yeah. do that with Google Takeout. Yeah. I'm so go grab those before, before the end of June. So wherever you go, you'll have the ability to kind of rebuild things. But I kind of looked at it as an – I was planning on just starting from scratch and just saying, okay, what feeds do I really want to want to follow? And maybe some of them won't make the cut – but, you know, when they say one button and we'll import all your Google feeds, then, you know, I can't really argue with that. One of the things I like about Feed Wrangler is the iOS app is I'm able to to delete feeds 
and manage my feeds on the iOS app. I never could do that on Reader with a Google service because I don't think Google opened that up to the developers. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think they will, but okay. Well, we uh, you're got right. Other... We got we got good options, and I think every a lot of what we're getting is better than what we had. I think everything yeah. we're getting is better than what we had. I don't think anything we're getting is worse. I mean, at a minimum, you've got services that effectively copy the Google service. Yeah, it's just it's it's going to take time for this all to work out because, uh, so, uh, you know, I'll be very candid with you. Some of the services that we talked about today will not be around in two or three years. Yeah, it's just kind of the nature of how these things go. We'll, we'll see what rises to the top and, and what survives and what doesn't. And, you know, a couple of years from now, they'll we'll, we'll kind of we'll understand where this is going. One of the things that bums me out is what I call the RSS apocalypse. I, I wrote a post on this when it first came out. I'm not worried about finding a replacement service. Like I said, I think I'll find a better one. I am a little worried about uh, readers of, of blogs like Max Barkey that, you know, a lot of people are used to that RSS and, and they're, they've been following me through reader for years. I know there are thousands of them. I see the numbers and on July 1st, that will stop feeding them my website. And I'm actually not that worried about Max Berkey because I think the people that read me are going to be well aware of this and they're going to deal with it. Or maybe they just say, hey, that guy's a jerk. I'm not going to read him anymore anyway. But uh, when I think about my wife's universe, which is, you know, people who do crafts and people who talk about things that moms do and, and some of the stuff that she's involved with. I think they're going to just totally freak out because their their feeds are going to just disappear. They're not going to have found Feedler or Feed Wrangler or something else. And the people who write those blogs are going to lose a significant portion of their readers. And the readers may or may not come back. I I agree with you because when I look – and again, we're, we're kind of in a unique situation here because people who read our sites are, are very tech-savvy – but still, here we are, less than a week out from the Google Reader transition, and a huge number of my RSS hits come from Google Reader. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we move on to some other options, I want to talk about a sponsor, and this is a spot that I am so excited to share with you. It's Omnipresence. And so the Omni Group has been a longtime sponsor of ours. Katie and I are both big fans of the software they make. One of the digs against the Omni Group for the last year or two has been, hey, these guys don't support Dropbox and they don't really support iCloud. And, you know, we want to sync because they have these great apps that are on both the Mac and on the iPad. And the Omni focus has never been a problem. You know, Omni Group has a lot of talent, very smart people working on making a really fast sync between the Omni Focus task management system. Uh, so they've got all this experience, but they didn't have those pipes connected to uh, Omni Outliner and Omni Planner and Omni Graph Sketcher. Well, guess what? Now they do. And what they did was they made something in my mind that almost trumps what Dropbox and iCloud do, because in some way it's a combination of the two best things from both services on the iCloud, the thing that I've always loved about iCloud is the way it just works. When you've got, uh, you know, a document, whether it be PDF pen or ByWord or any of the other apps that I use, it shows up both on, on both devices, the, the Mac and the iPad or the phone. And when I make a change in one, it shows up in the other. And I just love that I don't have to push a sync button or worry about it. Right? 
That's great. It works. Okay. But you don't have a folder that you can go to and see what those documents are because iCloud is self-contained and Apple's vision is that users don't think about it. It just happens. The great thing about Dropbox is you've got a folder where you can go see what the heck is going on. And for a nerd like me, that's kind of important, but it doesn't just sync. It doesn't just work. I have to go and figure it out and, you know, push a button or do something to make the, the data translate across the platforms. Omnipresence does both of these. So if I'm an Omni outliner, first I've got a folder on my Mac and I can see everything that's in Omnipresence by opening that folder. If I want to add a file to it, I drop it in the folder and it just works. And then when I go to the iPad, I open the file and it, it, trans it, um, it translates changes just like iCloud does. So if I make a change and I have an Omni outline open on my Mac and my iPad, once I make a change, it immediately shows up on the Mac and vice versa. So I get that iCloud automatic syncing, but I also get the ability to have a folder I control to keep these documents in. I love, love, love this service. And I asked the people at Omni Group, you know, why did you do this? Why didn't you just plug into something like Dropbox or iCloud? And the answer they gave me was perfect. They said, look, Dave, we want to have the answers. If a, if a customer calls us and something isn't working, we never want to say, go to Apple or go to Dropbox. It's not our problem. You know, we want to own the entire experience. So we built our own and these guys have not taken this responsibility lightly. I know uh, what was it? Macworld 2012. So 18 months ago, mm -hmm. they were talking about very detailed problems they were solving with this service. And 18 months later, they've launched it. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. They've thought it through. Not only does it work across their apps, it can sync data for other apps as well. Um, and, and in addition to that, you can um, you can take the engine and apply it to your own server because it's it's I believe it's WebDAV is the underlying engine for this. Um, and see, once again, I start talking about really technical things and I just stick my foot right in my mouth. But uh, so you can take it. They've got it. They've got enough of it open source that you can apply it to your own server. So let's say you work for a secret government agency that owns black helicopters and you want to use Omni Outliner, but you don't want to sync it through the OmniSync service. You take this engine, you put it on your own server and you're in business. I love that. And, and that answers so many problems because so many attorneys write me with that exact problem. I want to use these services. I don't want to share data. Well, now I say get a transporter, use OmniSync. You're looking good. Yeah. I mean, they basically just created this and they're giving it away. They're saying, here, use this. And other developers can even use this as their own backbone for syncing. It's just one more reason why I love this company so much. I, I think they make really great apps. They're so dedicated to what they do. I, I always felt Omni is like as close to Apple as you're going to get without being in Cupertino because they care so much about making something great. And uh, this is just one more example of it. So if you're using any of the Omni apps, get yourself an Omni Sync account and try it and play with it. Uh, you can go to omnigroup.com, then go to Omnipresence, and they'll get you going. Uh, this, I believe, is probably just the beginning. Now that they've got the ability to sync data, there's a lot more they can do with it, as we've seen with the OmniFocus mail rule and some other things that they've been working on. And uh, this is a great time to get into the Omni ecosphere. Is it ecosphere? Is that a word? Ecosystem? Ecosphere? 
Mm, maybe. Um, ecosystem. But I'm finding ecosystem. I'm using the Omni apps See, a lot, a lot more on my on my iPad now with this Omni presence. It's it's wonderful to be able to go back and forth just seamlessly. It just works. So, thank you Omni for creating this, for giving it to us, for giving it to the world, and uh, for just making awesome products and for sponsoring Mac Power users. So. Okay, so in addition to the services we've been talking about, the real true Google replacements, we said, well, let's go out of the box. What else can we do? Um, and I mentioned earlier, what about Twitter? Why not just use Twitter? And I think that's a real option for some people. I think especially if you leverage and take advantage of Twitter lists and things like that. Because if I look at some of the people and some of the things that I follow in Twitter, well, not even the people, but some of the accounts that I follow in Twitter, a lot of them are just RSS feeds that are auto-publishing to Twitter. And I, and I stop myself and I think, why am I following this? Why am I following this particular, and I don't want to mention one, but why am I following this particular feed on Twitter when I've already got them in RSS? But a lot of times I'll see the, the link in Twitter before I'll see it in my RSS feed and I'll find something there. Well, you know, as a as a publisher, where do you stand on that? Do you auto publish everything to Twitter when you write a new article? I tell you, I do, but only because I'm only publishing a couple things a week. If if I was, I think you have to. I do, and I publish it to my personal Twitter account because I'm only doing a couple a week. Yeah. If so you, I, and I, you and I are small potatoes. Yeah. If if I, I were one of these big warehouses that, that do dozens of pub posts a day, I would definitely have a dedicated Twitter account that is only that because, um, you know, I, I've, I've seen situations where the publisher or the individual associated with a major site has tweeted out everything that has been posted on that major site. And they're just, you know, spamming the feed with, you know, dozens of posts a day. And I'm just like, oh, unfollow or mute or something. You know, it's funny. I don't really, I don't have an automatic rule at Max Sparky that does it automatically. So for me, some articles, they just feel like something I want to share in Twitter and some don't. And there's really not a rhyme or reason. I would say like when I link to somebody, I don't share those generally, but then sometimes I do. But if I write like an opinion piece or something, I always share those. So, and I'll tell I'm, you that there's there's even stuff that I don't write that I share to Twitter, um, because if it's something that I've read that I just think is exceptional, I will share that to Twitter just as a link of kind of this is what I'm you know you can share from Instapaper to Twitter. Just this is something I'm reading and I find it very interesting. I try not to do that very often. I try to only do that every now and again, but you know so that people know that when they see something like that. It's something that I'm, I'm really like. Yeah. So I think we both agree. It's, it's very possible to do this with just Twitter. And I think part of it would be where it's not something you, you make a living on, but you're just interested in. It's okay if an article goes by or an, an event happens that, that it's not a big deal if you miss out on it. And Twitter is just fine. And it saves you the trouble of monkeying around with RSS apps and checking new articles, blah, blah, blah. And now the next rung up on that ladder in my mind um, would be instead of Twitter, you could go to Flipboard and Flipboard is this great news app on, on the iPad, but they also have an iPhone version for the iPad. It's amazing. And you flip across like turning pages in a book, almost like cardboard pages virtually. And that app really kind of took the world by storm when it first showed up. And it's still pretty awesome. Yeah, I think, for many instances and in many use cases, if I were setting this up for 
my mother would be a, a prime example. I think there's a lot of things she would like RSS feed for because there's a lot of things that she's interested in and she's not going to go to these individual websites. Flipboard would be my first recommendation for her because it's simple, it's clean, it's elegant, and it's in a format that she would like to read things. Um, I, I yeah. like Flipboard for a lot of this. And Flipboard just interestingly sent out in, you know notices to everybody this week. Hey, by the way, don't forget, you can import all your Google Reader stuff into here. Yeah, and, now, and you should do that right now because you don't know that you'll be able to do it after July 1st. Yeah, I, I don't know if um, if Flipboard is going to offer support for some of these other services that we were talking about. And, you know, so it's kind of a one way thing. Once you import your Google Reader stuff in, you you may not be able to update it or add it. I kind of wish there was support to add individual RSS feeds into Flipboard that you could follow, but you can't do that. So right now you can just kind of import a, a Google Reader feed. But they are always improving. I mean, I like I know Mac Stories has a Flipboard channel, and I've been meaning to look into doing it with Mac Sparky, except my volume is so low that I don't think it's probably worth the trouble. Um, so maybe we should do like a Mac Power Users channel that kind of aggregates from some interesting things. You know what? That is a really good idea. So let's look into that. Let's look into that. Uh, but so it, I think it's a good solution. I don't think it's as fast as a traditional RSS reader app like we were talking about before the before the ad break and i don't think it's as efficient for saving to other locations i mean you have to flip the board and you have to find the article you have to tap the article and then sharing is a little more work but if you're if you've got a low volume i think it's a it's a very nice experience it's, it's more pleasurable than the other stuff and this is supposed to be fun right yeah, it's something you're going to be more it, it's like sitting down with a magazine you're going to be more likely to sit down and flip through it especially for things that are, are very graphic intensive. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking through my RSS feeds on Flipboard right now, my Google reads, and it's very nice. Yeah. I don't like seeing things like Twitter and Facebook on Flipboard though. That just seems very out of place. Yeah. Well, the way it implements Twitter is it, it's kind of from your friends, the people you're following and it's it, the way they present it is kind of nice. And I read all my Facebook stuff on Flipboard. Uh, I know that, and that's that's probably you know pages and pages and pages of things for I, you. I, I probably spend eight hours a day on my Facebook. I know, I know. Did you know I, that I'm actually I'm trying Google Plus again? Oh, I don't even. I can't even go to Google Plus. I just I'm so overwhelmed by social networks that I'm over yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't know. Anyway, okay, so that's that's another solution. I think I would call that a low volume solution. Yeah, and those are kind of very different types of of services. That that's kind of like the anti RSS service, right? But Twitter and Flipboard. I totally get that though, because you can. This becomes a job going through. It's like, oh, you open your RSS reader and you see there's seven thousand unread articles, and you feel like, oh, what have I done? And and that's why I I I spent so much time in the last show talking about paring those feeds down. You know, go on a diet get rid of a bunch of the stuff because you're not going to read it all. So don't bother. Right. I mean, it might feel good to say, well, I'm subscribed to foreign affairs and I love, you know, I, I, you know, I have a political science major. I, I want to read every foreign affairs article. I'm not going to have time. So, you know, don't subscribe, pick the ones that you really have time to read and keep it, keep it there. Yeah. While we're on kind of anti RSS readers or things that aren't really RSS readers, I want to talk about something that I found actually this week 
that I think fits into the category of this episode, but is certainly not related to RSS. And that's an app, and I'm going to mispronounce this. I think it's called Umano, U-M-A-N-O. I don't Uh, know how to say eco, so why are you asking me? All right, U-M-A-N-O. It's a free app for the iPhone. I actually heard about it over on the Twit Network, so I've been cheating and listening over there, but I guess that's allowed. And, you know, David, you posted a tip over at Max Sparky a long time ago about how you can take web pages and select the text and have the text be turned into basically a podcast or something that you can import into your iPhone. Do you remember that? It's been a while. Yeah, I do. That's back when my hair was brown. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. So this is, no, that was a, that was an Apple script that was with automator. It was an automator action that would do that. That's right. And that was, that was very cool. And I like that because Sometimes they're just, you know, they're those things that sit in my Instapaper queue forever that I never read. And I really want to read them, but I just, they're not high priority and I never get to them. But I I love listening to podcasts. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are too. And so I I try to do that, but, you know, the computer-aided voice is just kind of, yeah. They're a lot better now, though. They are a lot better now. So I may try that again. I just need to figure out some way to get that into an RSS feed that will go into my podcast app. So I'm, I may experiment around with that and do a blog post some more and see if I can expand on that. But um, this Umano app, what it does is they've got a collection of people who are, are voice artists who go out and, and record and read stories from various websites. And they've got all these different categories between, you know, entertainment and lifestyle and technology and world politics and business and education and things like that. And you can either go through the various categories and individually select articles of interest. Like they've got articles from Wired and Lifehacker and Business Week and the New York Times and TechCrunch and All Things D. And not every article. They've got an article here from 9to5Mac and Forbes. But, you know, kind of things that are popular. And so people have actually read these articles. You can add them to your queue or with a little intelligence, you can tell it the type of things that you like and it will auto create a queue for you. And then you can play and you can play back at regular speed or at double speed and it will play you back these these websites. Now, you're limited to just the ones that they've aggregated and the ones that they've read. But if you're looking for something different, it's it's not a tremendous selection but it's it's something different than what I read every day. See, when you told me about that, you say somebody has actually read it. Yeah. I, I interpreted that mean someone has read the article to make sure it's not nonsense and that they're aggregating stuff for you to read. But no, what you're saying is they've recorded it. They've spoken it into a microphone. They've spoken and, it into a microphone. And when you hit play, it gets played back to you. You know what else does that is the Economist app on the iPhone. They've got highlights and news. I don't subscribe to the economy. Well, we have a subscription at work, but I don't personally subscribe to it. But even in the non-paid version, they do rec- a, a very nice British lady uh, records her speaking the article. And I listen to them in a car all the time. And, and you know, they're British, so it's got to be true. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we don't really have an American magazine like The Economist, I feel like. So... So that's a that's another option. Stuff like that is is out there. Although I would argue that the voices are getting better on the Mac, and that that Automator script still works. In fact, I think it's even easier now because they've built some Automator actions that do a lot of the work I was doing before with Apple Script. Um, yeah. What I, what I want to create is I want to take something that will take from my Instapaper queue. Here's what I want. Someone go build this for me. I want you to take from my Instapaper queue. 
I want you to automatically get my little Alex or Jane voice in my computer to read it. And then I want you to create a RSS feed and import it as a podcast so I can listen to it through the podcast app. Did you know also that you can download additional voices? I did know that. Yes. I mean, and they're good quality voices. Let me see. It's under, uh, it's under the preference pane. It's not under sound. Is it under accessibility? I'm guessing here. Help me out, Katie. Do you know what it is? I think it was, I thought it was under text and speech. That would make sense. Okay. Let or me find dictation and speech. speech. Oh, dictation yeah. and speech. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, I like Teresa as well. And then if you click on the voice, you can go down to customize and download additional voices. Yeah. Hit customize. And then they've got a bunch like oh, Tessa. Just... Tessa from South Africa is good. Oh, I have her. Yeah. I have Tessa on my computer. And, and, uh, it's funny. Now, do you just get, get guys? Like my wife wants to get like the Australian guy and no, I want to get the I, British I find, girls. I find the women are easier to understand. Of um, course they are. I, I want to get, I just, I just listened to Jason Snell got me on this really great book called Among Others. It won the Hugo Award last year. And it's not, it's barely science fiction, but it's this woman that reads it with a Welsh accent. And I'm kind of interested in the Welsh accent, but I don't see it here. <laughs> And then all my friends in the UK are like, oh, you, you shouldn't like that accent. You should like ours better. And now I think I've offended both people in the UK, both Welsh and British. All right, moving on. That's Umana, you I'm kind of upset. They don't have a Welsh one. Okay. Talk well, to Johnny. They sound great. So to download one of those, use my script, and then you could take something Katie wrote, and you could listen to it while you're driving around. Yeah, I haven't written it yet. i got to get on that. Yeah. I'll work on that. Um, the last one I, I have not personally tried, although I'm very, very interested and I want to try it is fever. Have you used fever? Okay. So when we did the first show on this two or three years ago, at the end, I said, you know, the great hope is fever that it does some automation stuff for you. But in order to set it up, you have to have your own server. I know. And, and that's why I haven't used it. And uh, you know, when I switched over to Squarespace, I gave up my server space because Squarespace serve, you know, hosts for me and I don't have to monkey with any of that stuff anymore. And as a result, I just didn't have space. Somebody even wrote me and said, I'll give you space on my server to run your fever installation. And I just never got around to it. And now I've accepted that I'm just never going to get to it because. Yeah, we do. We do have a server that we host Mac power users on. But I was I was kind of afraid to install fever on it, David, for fear that I'd screw something up. Yeah. So, and, and all of a sudden I'd be like, Oh no, we got to get it back. But what fever does is it, it does, it works like a recommendation engine that lets you subscribe to many more feeds, which I said, I want to, I want to subscribe to more feeds, but you can check them less frequency without all the overload. Because what you do is you tell it, you say, look, these are, they call it kindling. These are my must read feeds. These are the feeds that I always want to see stuff from. These are the feeds that I don't miss. And then you you tell it, okay, well, these are my Sparks feeds, which would never be Max Sparky, but um, which are kind of these high volume fire hose feeds that I occasionally read, but they're they're kind of hit or miss. And um, and then it will kind of take your kindling, it will take your Sparks, it will see what's interesting, it will see what's trending, it will see what is being um, relinked and reblogged, and then so the particular stories and links are given a temperature based on how often they're relinked, how often they're talked about, and how often people are viewing them. And so you can see what's popular, and those will kind of rise to the top. And they're given a temperature, you know, based on the human temperature scale. So, you know, if you've got a fever, it's going to be hot. It's going to be, you know, 100 plus. 
And I hope that, you know, they, they make it easier where I don't have to deal with sending up on that, one I don't server. think they're planning to. Well, I mean, there's an opportunity for them right now. But I also think that a lot of those types of services, like I think Newsblur has a lot in common with it. And and Feed Wrangler to a lesser extent, because Feed Wrangler, you have to be, I think, more micromanaging to, to make that happen. Yeah. Like you can have a feed that just looks for certain words. It, 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 you're right. It doesn't really replace it, but I don't really see myself spending time on it at this point. It's been two or three years. I said I was going to do it at the end of the last time we talked about this stuff. I haven't done it yet. So what makes me think it's going to happen now? Yeah. Are you going to try it? Wow. Silence. Well, I mean, you know, are you okay with me putting it on the Mac power user server and Go trying not it. to screw anything up? Go for it. It's just a podcast. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Yeah. If all but of a sudden it, we go dark, you know what happened. Yeah. If, if uh, listeners out there, if you're really getting a lot of fever, let us know. And if it's really something worth checking out, I might be willing to go get some server space somewhere or figure it out. But um, I'm not sure. I, I'm right now. I'm really loving Feed Wrangler, and I'm really interested in Newsblur. Okay. And I'm liking Feedbin. So we'll see. We'll see what rises to the top. Yeah, hopefully they're still in business in six months. <laughs> the but um the outcome think, of this show is there are options and it's going to be okay. Yeah, and I do think that the ones we've picked, I think all four of them are gonna be around for a while. I think yeah. they're all they all have good business models. I think Feedly's gonna figure out a way to make money pretty soon once yeah. all the dust settles. Well, David, we've been going for a while, but we haven't quite hit that magic hour and a half mark. So why don't we talk about our last sponsor and then hit some quick feedback for yeah, this show? Let's do it. Uh, right. So our last sponsor is Pixelmator. Um, we're really happy to have them back. They were a sponsor a while ago, and now they've come back. Pixelmator just keeps making better and better uh, image management and graphic software. Uh, you know, it's $15. That, that's the starting discussion point for Pixelmator because wow. it's a really powerful application and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. And we've been taught over the years that when you get powerful photo, you know, software that it's supposed to cost you hundreds of dollars. When you hear it's $15, you say, well, you know, that that sounds like a toy and toys are great for a lot of people, but I want to get serious work done. Well, let me tell you, you will get serious work done with Pixelmator. In fact, just about everybody I've turned on, turned it on to has told me this is all I need. It's an awesome application. Uh, they have a ton of great features. They just came out with some new ones like smart shapes where you can create shapes. They have text as a shape now so you can you know, use Bezier curves and do some really great stuff with text. Um, they've got built-in shape styles menus that you can pull forward to put in. I mean, it's becoming more than just a place to fix images, you can actually create graphics with it. I mean, they've got new types of gradients and color popovers. It, it's really a, quite an amazing application. And if you've always been interested in this stuff and you've never played with one, go check out pixelmator.com slash tutorials. And I guarantee you'll end up spending like an hour there because there's so many great tutorials and they're screencasted or they're, they're narrated with images it's really, uh, uh, it's really a great place to learn about this stuff. Even if you just don't own the app and you're curious about it, go watch a couple of these because you'll see how you can make your pictures look really great and make them pop and make them look good. Or you can make your own graphics. There, you know, there's really quite a bit you can do with this for fifteen dollars. 
And we live in this age where everybody's going to the software as a service and you have to pay monthly subscription. I mean, Adobe is famously doing that with their suite right now. Pixelmator is not like that. You pay your 15 bucks, you own the software. And it's just a, an amazing little application. I, uh, it's my, it's my go-to app and I've got it tied into, uh, autumn. I've got it tied into aperture, which is where I do my photos, but you could also tie it into iPhoto if you want. And it gives you tools that those applications simply don't have. Now, and you use Pixelmator as well. I have used Pixelmator extensively the past couple of months and really the past couple of weeks, quite a bit, you know, cleaning up all of these family photos uh, for father's day. Recently, I gave, um, both my father and grandfather, some family photos that we had digitized using one of these scan services. But the photos, the scan service did a fine job, but the photos weren't that great a quality to begin with. Some of them had some water damage and all of them were old. And it was really too big of a job for iPhoto to handle, you know, with just their little, you know, fixer tool that they've got. And uh, Pixelmator was my go-to app for that. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things they've added now is light leak. So if you want to give it that retro look, you know, the Instagram filter type look, you can do that there as well. Although I'm not a real big fan of that, to tell you the truth. But because I lived through those days, I've, I've got old pictures that look like they're Instagram photos, you know, but uh, so it's $15. You get in, you got tutorials, you're set. Um, go check it out and let them know you heard about it from us. And we really appreciate Pixelmator and are happy to have them as a sponsor. Yeah. Um, well, first, before we get to the feedback, one little thing of housekeeping. Don't forget, while we're talking about RSS, we are moving RS, our RSS feed off of FeedBurner, getting off these Google products, you know, um, the first week of July. So not this week, but next week. Um, probably nothing will happen and you won't see anything for at least 30 days. So we'll remind you a couple of other times. If all goes well, nothing bad will happen. But um, if all of a sudden, about 30 days or so, your feeds stop updating, um, that's likely what caused it. Or if you see some duplicates in the feeds, that's likely what caused it. Uh, we apologize in advance. We're just we're just trying to uh, um, get some longevity and future-proof this feed for you. Another thing is I'm going to be in Portland uh, the weekend following 4th of July, July 5th through the 9th at the World Domination Summit which is not what you're thinking it is right now. In fact, okay. Daisy, Daisy's going with me, and we've had a lot of fun telling people that we're going to the World Domination Summit together, and then we don't say anything else. We just say that. Uh, but it's, it's a great conference of people who are thinking about changing the world and doing it in great ways. Some of our friends will be there. Um, you know, um, Some of the people who have been guests on the show, including people like Gene McDonald and and Brett Kelly and some of the other people that we love. Uh, so it's just going to be a lot of fun. The reason I'm saying this is because you're listening now. That means you stuck up with us through the whole show. So if you're the kind of listener that sticks to the whole show and attends WDS, please come find me because I want to meet you. Sounds good. Yeah. We got a lot of feedback on a couple of shows that we did, um, particularly the one where I talked about Windows remote desktop and how I use remote desktop to get into my PC at work and how, for whatever reason, the restart and shutdown buttons were disabled. And uh, we got a lot of feedback from people saying, hey, there is a way to do that. What you do is in the start menu has a couple of different options when you connect through our DC. Uh, click start and then look for a Windows security option on the menu. And if you have a two-column menu, it will be in the second column. Uh, it's just above the logout button. And after you click the Windows security button, you will see the familiar Windows lock screen. And there are all of your options for power and restart. So 
Yeah. People also wrote in about how you could do tricks in the console to shut down and automatically, you know, generate the commands to shut down and restart the computer. Yeah, I didn't think of either of those. So, yes, there are ways to remotely restart a Windows machine, and uh, I apologize for messing that up. You know, something that's really funny is people kept writing me saying, Dave, you keep talking about ByWord, but you never talk about IA Writer. So I made a point on the show of talking about IA Writer, but I, because of senility or I don't know why, uh, I, I kept saying I annotate instead of IA Writer. Yeah. So when I went out of my way to talk about the app, I talked about the wrong app. <laughs> Mea I, culpa. Mm, did did you hear me, Katie? You. I, I guess I did, but it just didn't process. Yeah. So were you just... I was just content to let you screw it up. Yeah, I think you were just stewing over something. You know, you were probably just angry at me again. And just say, let him go. Let him go. Let him let get the all the email. email. come. Yeah. Yeah. And it it did come. It did come. <laughs> it did come. And I very so it, it wasn't a passive aggressive thing against IA Writer. I think it's a good app. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The um the other thing that we got a lot of clarifications on was Dropbox, and Dropbox does have a pack rat option. And yes, you can restore previous versions from within Dropbox. And David and I really talked about that in the ep- episode, um, without really researching it. Even further, that, that that is totally my fault. We uh we, we ran into a problem minutes before we went on air, and and I talked about it anyway, knowing full well that I should never talk about anything without researching it. So I'm sorry. Maybe because we're accidental. Because should we be the accidental Mac Power Users podcast? Maybe. I think Maybe. we should. That that one was pretty embarrassing. Frankly, I should have known that. Yeah. So those are our, our recent screw ups. I'm yeah. sure there were more. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but I love That's it that okay. when when it happens that we get like whoosh, dozens yeah. of emails come in. I, but I've people are usually said, very nice about it. No, they are. And our our listeners are really, really smart. And that's one of the reasons why I can keep doing this show, because I, I like engaging with smart people. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty good. We got through some of, that was a list of sins more than it was feedback, but we got it covered. Yeah. You can find links to everything that we've talked about in this episode, lovingly crafted by Jagar, over at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 143 for this episode. You can also get in contact with us through Twitter. We are at MacPowerUsers, which I think is a great way to get a hold of us. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm at Max Sparky and Katie is at Katie Floyd. Uh, you can also send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, and keep in mind, we read all that email that you send to feedback. Sometimes we don't always respond because sometimes we're saving it up for a feedback show or, or that kind of stuff. If it's just a quick thing, Twitter's a great way to get a get a, a response fast because it's just so much easier to clear through that Twitter queue than it is to go through the, the email queue. So, But rest yeah. assured, we do read everything. Um, and I think that's going to do it. I, I think know. we got it covered. You know what, Katie, it's funny. I just – we just – we're recording this on a Tuesday. I had a long day at work and I feel so energized right now. I have so much fun doing this podcast. Well, good. I'm glad I'm going to bed. Good night. (laughs) There's quite the time difference here. So thanks for listening folks. And uh, we'll see you next week. Let's let's go another hour. Come on. Okay. We could do it on RSS. That's fine. Let's do it.